Hello, I'm Rob Pacienza, senior pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, founded by Dr. D. James Kennedy. Thank you for joining us for this program, part two of our special presentation, Who is this Jesus? Is he the only way? Dr. Kennedy, who was my pastor, was passionate about helping people know the truth of Jesus Christ through the accounts in the Bible. In our day, those accounts are under fire from skeptics in every direction. And we live in a culture that finds the truth claims of Christianity offensive. Many find the assertion that Jesus is the only way to God to be arrogant and unloving. And they find the idea that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead to be either mythical or the product of a primitive barbaric culture. What is the truth? And can we entrust our lives to the Jesus of the New Testament? We begin by examining Jesus and the cross. I really do think the church and those who will lead the church in the days to come need to be prepared to come against three great attacks of the enemy. They are attacks of the authority of Scripture, the person and exclusivity of Christ, and the message of the gospel. And those three issues are linked together. Because if you can undermine the authority of the Bible, you can undermine the exclusivity of Christ. And if you can undermine the exclusivity of Christ, then you can undermine the message of the gospel, which is the only hope for which men may be saved. The siren call of our day is the relativism of all roads lead to God, and each person has his or her own truth. But Jesus himself said otherwise. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, verse 6. The New Testament Gospels report to us the death of Jesus Christ on a Roman cross and his resurrection from the dead. These historical events are central to Christianity. Jesus is unique insofar as he is a suffering and dying God. Now in antiquity, uh, amongst the, the Greeks, the Gentiles, gods didn't die. They could suffer, but they didn't die. So. It was a scandalous uh, affair that Jesus would die. Amongst Jews, they expected a um, triumphant Messiah. So the Messiah wasn't expected at that point to be a suffering and dying Messiah. So Jesus is unique in that sense. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9, verse 22. Jesus, who was seen as a threat to the power of local religious leaders, was arrested at their behest by Romans, given a sham trial, and executed as a criminal, despite having committed no crime. Yet Jesus voluntarily undertook the assignment of going to the cross. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. John 10, verses 17 to 18. Well, the cross is, is the story of how God has restored his relationship with the fallen humanity. And the way he has restored that relationship with the fallen humanity is to deal with the penalty of 
of human sinfulness. Um, Christian theology believes that all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we all have a debt before God that is spiritual. He died on that cross so that any of us who are, of course, not perfect cannot go to heaven. Without perfection, we can't go to heaven. We cannot see God. And so he became perfect. He kept all of the law perfectly. And therefore, he paid the price of everyone who would come to him and say, I repent, forgive me, come into my life. And then he rose on the third day as a proof of our own resurrection, that every believer will be resurrected and be with Jesus Christ when they go to, go to heaven. The cross has become a common religious symbol, but 2,000 years later, it's easy to miss that it was a brutal implement of execution. The uh, Roman emperors who existed during this time Many of them took great delight in crucifying people because it was a horrible, horrible way to die. The cross was a symbol of shame. And so for the disciples, a crucified Messiah is a failed Messiah. If the Messiah comes and is crucified, it shows you that he really wasn't the Messiah. That's the reason that the disciples run away. In their mind, they thought he was the Messiah, but he can't be if he dies on the cross. It's too shameful a death, and they had no idea about the resurrection. As many times as Jesus tells them, I'm going to be resurrected, the disciples are still shocked when the resurrection actually happens. The Gospel of John reports that Jesus, as he hung upon the cross just before dying, said, It is finished. In John chapter 19, verse 30, the last word of Jesus is one word in Greek, it's tetelestai, or translated, it is finished. This word has been found in that particular form on business documents, receipts handwritten to say, paid in full. And so Jesus, when he screams out that word, is saying, it has been paid in full. There's a particular Greek tense that's going on there. And Jesus is saying all of the sins that you have committed against God as a result of his coming down and dying on the cross have been paid in full. Christ came into the world to save sinners. He was born of a virgin. And then he lived a perfect life, sinless life, which nobody's ever been able to accomplish because he's uniquely divine and human. And then to pay the ultimate sacrifice, to satisfy the justice of God. The idea of atonement in which our sins against God are paid for by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, is often an affront to the modern mind. This is represented by liberal scholars like those who comprise the once heralded Jesus Seminar. Robert Funk, who was at one time head of the Jesus Seminar, said, Christianity will get nowhere until it gives up this bloody religion that is 2,000 years old. Well, the problem is that's the heart of Christianity. The only way that we can ever be at one with God, the only way that God can ever accept us into his kingdom is if our sins are paid for. And the only one who can pay for them is Jesus Christ. How can God, uh, the kind, merciful God, good God, uh, shed the blood of his own son? 
But that, again, is a total failure to understand the desperation of humanity and the extreme love of God for humanity and his longing for them to repent and turn and, ha and have fellowship with him. Ultimately, there can be no other way to God but through Jesus, because only Jesus has made full atonement for the sins of all who come to him. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. The Apostle Paul tells us that in the pastoral epistles. And if it were not for Jesus coming and becoming flesh, we would be people without hope, absolutely unable to solve the problems that we have. I believe that Jesus is the only way because he answers all of the problems. In Jesus, there is the, the salvation is complete, and that's the key. So it's not saying there is no truth anywhere else. No, 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 no. Islam's right, there's one God. Monotheism is correct. Judaism is correct on that too. And of course, as a Christian, I share with, with a confessing Jew, Tanakh, the Old Testament, Torah, the prophets and the writings. We agree on that. There are many, many things we agree on, but I find in Christ, nothing missing. The atonement is complete. The grace of God fully revealed. Jesus is the eternal Son of God who took on flesh. He lived a righteous, perfect, holy life that was fully pleasing to the Father. In fact, he lived the righteous life that we could never live. For that, sinful man nailed him to a cross. But that was a part of the plan of God to purchase the salvation of those very sinners. He died at the cross as a substitute for our sins and his sacrificial blood is our way to God. It's critical for faithful pastors and churches to lead their people and to reach the lost with extreme, absolute, and unwavering confidence that the Bible is the Word of God. Jesus is the only way to the Father. And the message of the gospel is the only good news by which man can be saved. cross and the resurrection go together to be the core of what Christianity is all about. The forgiveness of sins plus the new life in the spirit that comes out of that forgiveness. His death and his resurrection is a fulfillment of what God has promised in the Old Testament. It's very important if we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus that we're crystal clear about his burial. Now it used to be nobody doubted that. Everyone said, well, of course he was buried. Now we have this strange skepticism in some circles about, well, maybe he wasn't buried at all. Maybe there was no tomb. And that's an odd idea. All four Gospels provide the specific details of how the dead body of Jesus was laid in the garden tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, which the temple guard sealed and kept watch at. Yet modern skeptics ignore the text as well as Jewish custom when they posit that Jesus was not buried. That is absurd because the Jewish people were uh, very concerned about proper burial and no one executed or not would be left unburied overnight. That was a big no-no. 
anyone crucified, whether it's Jesus or the men with him or anyone else, if those bodies are left for days hanging on a cross right outside the gates of Jerusalem, on the eve of Passover, there would have been a riot. Pilate, you know, he doesn't care. He's dead. He can, it's confirmed he is dead. Then fine. He can be buried. Another belief that skeptics adhere to is called the swoon theory. It was said a long time ago that Jesus somehow survived his crucifixion and um, was revived in the tomb and came out proclaiming that he had been raised from the dead. If that was even possible, he, Jesus would have been able to convince his followers that he was alive. Yeah, of course. But risen and having a resurrected body that they were to hope for when they were raised? Well, of course not. The unanimous view among scholars is that Jesus was crucified and died as a result. I think my response would be just read the accounts of what's involved in a crucifixion and you will understand how that is virtually impossible. No one survived a Roman crucifixion. Jesus died and all the precautions were taken to prevent anything from happening after that because they knew that he claimed that he would rise from the dead. And yet, Jesus rose and showed himself to his followers and to more than 500 persons. And the witness of that truth is central to the gospel message. Another skeptic premise that has been purported is that Jesus's tomb was found empty, not because he was resurrected, but because the body was stolen out of its burial place. Skeptics and unbelievers have various theories about what did and did not happen in the passion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe the biblical record is the historical record, is the true record. In Matthew chapter 28, before the Great Commission passage, there's this whole Jerusalem conspiracy that uh, the disciples stole the body, <laughs> which um, shows us that from the very beginning, this is um, not just something that has happened over time, but from the very beginning of these monumental events, unbelievers have tried to explain away what happened at the cross and what happened at the empty tomb. It did not work then and it has not worked through the centuries. If the disciples did it, they wouldn't have died for something that basically they made up and created. And there's no good credible reason for anybody else to really have stolen the body either. That's not what you have in Matthew, Mark. Luke and John, you have two frightened women showing up as they should, all of it consistent with Jewish burial traditions, but they come to the tomb and, and the stone's pulled aside and the body's gone. Well, if, if you're going to write fiction, you can do better. Have the men show up, have, have enemies show up and things like that. So imagine the meeting with the disciples after Jesus had been crucified where they're going, how do we keep hope alive? given that our Messiah has been crucified. And someone raised their hand, I have a great idea. Let's promote an unpopular idea, resurrection. And the way we're gonna promote that unpopular idea is we're gonna pick out as our first witnesses women who culturally do not count as witnesses in the first century. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Matthew 28, verses 5 to 7.
When the women report that the tomb is empty, the church leaders don't believe them. They could easily go on believing that Jesus suffered unjustly. Jesus is now in heaven. Someday we'll be in heaven with him. You don't need to make up a resurrection story. And the unusual features present in the story are part of what shows the credibility of its having taken place. He rose from the dead triumphantly with all authority in heaven and on earth given to him. He ascended to the right hand of the Father where even now he lives to make intercession for us and he is coming again to consummate the kingdom and to give glory to God. And that's why Paul in Acts 17 was said, he has appointed a day in which he'll judge the world by this man Jesus and as a proof for that, he raised him from the dead. And to be raised from the dead after three days, literally. So this is the absolute proof that there is no other way to God. There is no other way to heaven except through the one who rose from the dead. Who is this Jesus? Depends on, if you ask me when I was a Muslim, I would give a different answer now as a Muslim background believer, I will give you another answer. Isa is the name of Jesus in Arabic and Farsi, it's in Quran. And in Islam, he is just a man, good man, a prophet, and an outdated prophet. So not more than that. He did not die on the cross. They don't believe about Jesus, that he came to be a savior. Growing up in Iran, Hormoz was raised in an Islamic family and states that he was very devout in his early years, believing what Islam taught. There was a point uh, I was chanting, death to America. I was in Iran, I was a student. I was a part of the revolution, young student on the streets of Tehran. I was shouting, death to America, death to Shah. In 1979, Hormoz came to America when he had the opportunity to attend a university in the United States. I was a PhD student at the University of Southern California studying artificial intelligence for my PhD. So I said, if I'm open-minded, which I thought I was a research scientist, I'm going to read other books also. Um, I'm not prejudiced. So I started reading Bible. First Genesis, then jump to New Testament, book of Matthew, and that's where I saw, wow, this is so different. This Jesus is not the prophet that, that Islam tells me. Which one is true? Both cannot be true. Here is Jesus talking about forgiving your enemies. And here I'm reading Quran, killing your enemies. Okay, which one is God? Which one is true God? And that caused me trouble. You know why? Because as an intellectual, I thought, oh, all religions are the same. So looking at Jesus, his teachings, I was attracted, but I couldn't accept him. I was an engineer, a scientist. I was looking for something very practical. I said, I, I, Jesus sounds good, but nobody can do it. It's just poetry. But you know what? Exactly that's what God wants me to know, that. I cannot do it. Of course you cannot do it. Of course you need a salvation and you need a savior. And that's why I found Jesus as savior and that made sense to me. Hormoz accepted Jesus as his savior when a friend invited him to church in downtown Los Angeles. 
That's where I heard the simplest message of the gospel. So I believe that simple message of my life was transformed. He said, God loves you. You cannot reach him because you're sinful. But because he loves you, he came after you. He said he did it through Jesus. So I believe that simple message of my life was transformed. First in my heart, first in myself, then in my marriage, then with the people I shared the gospel with. I saw, wow, this message is changing people. It can change a nation. After I got saved and I was committed to evangelism, I want you to know it wasn't easy for me. I was more comfortable with books and people. Hormoz learned to overcome his fears of evangelizing by taking an evangelism explosion course at his church. So even though it was hard for me, I started sharing the gospel with others in Southern California. But one event happened that launched me to this. My younger brother was arrested at 16 in Iran and on political, minor political charges. And I was a new believer. God, save my brother. God, save my brother. For two years, I prayed. And after two years, they called my mom. They said, come and get his body. We just executed him. And when I heard that, I was just grieving. For two days, I remember, God, God what is this? And during those two days, I, I went through this journey. And this is what I felt God told me, the gospel, the gospel. First of all, your enemy is not those who killed your brother. You have one enemy, his name is Satan. And the only way to hurt your enemy, which is Satan, to evangelize. So I said, God, okay, I dedicate my life to sharing the gospel with Muslims. Now, if you want to go, let's go big. Would you, God, would you use me to bring one million Muslim souls to Christ during my lifetime? Following the Lord's leading, Hormoz started Iran Alive Ministries and began broadcasting a church service into Iran via satellite TV. December 1st, 2001, we got one hour of broadcast to Middle East. We got so many calls who had asked questions and came to Christ, and that was the beginning of journey. So over these years, we have been broadcasting. In 2010, we went 24-7. Because of his evangelical outreach to the people of Iran, Hormoz is now being called by some the Billy Graham of Iran. Uh, our goal is not just evangelism. Evangelism is a good start, but uh, transformation of Iran into a Christian nation, according to Jeremiah 49:38. He's promised it, we believe it, we move in that direction, and it will happen. Do all roads lead to God? At least I studied Islam and Christianity, and they are not the same. Allah is not Jehovah. You have just seen the case for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Careful, unbiased investigation shows that the New Testament accounts of Jesus are historical, the documents in the Bible are accurate, and that by paying the price for our sins on the cross, Jesus established himself as the only way to God. You have seen that no other explanation for the empty tomb of Jesus holds up. Only his resurrection from the dead fits the facts. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know if you were to die today that you would spend eternity with God in heaven? Have you put your full trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? If not, you can do that right now. He offers you that salvation as a free gift. 
Simply pray with me from your heart. Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you and violated your holy law. But Lord, I want to turn away from my sins and accept your son Jesus into my life. I believe what your word, the Bible, says about him, that he died for my sins, that he lived the perfect, obedient life in my place. Lord, your word says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe it in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Father, I believe and I ask you to save me, to help me live for you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For D. James Kennedy Ministries, I'm Rob Pacienza. Thank you for joining us for this special presentation and may God richly bless you. Every Easter and Christmas, the airwaves are once again filled with skeptical scholars who say that the Bible's accounts of Jesus cannot be trusted. The uh, weight of probability is that uh, there was no Jesus. Do you know how to answer such claims? The book Risen Indeed, Evidence for the Resurrection by Dr. D. James Kennedy examines the key historical evidence for the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and it debunks the false theories that skeptics have offered up to deny the resurrection. We'll send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the work of this ministry. Risen Indeed will bolster your own faith, and it's ideal to share with an inquiring friend or acquaintance who needs the gospel. And if you can give a gift of $50 or more, we'll send you the book Risen Indeed, plus the full documentary special, Who is this Jesus? Is he the only way? We live in a culture that finds the truth claims of Christianity offensive, especially Jesus' shocking claim that he is the only valid way to God. And yet, untold numbers of people have been transformed by him. In Jesus, I find complete truth. I don't find anything missing. You see, if Jesus rose from the dead, it's game, set, match. Christianity's true, period. Who is this Jesus? Is he the only way? Features experts, scholars, and pastors like Michael Youssef, Erwin Lutzer, H.B. Charles, and many more. And we'll send it to you along with the book, Risen Indeed, as thanks for your gift of $50 or more. Just contact us today. That's the book, Risen Indeed, as thanks for your generous donation. And the book plus the DVD program, Who Is This Jesus? Is He the Only Way? As thanks for your gift of just $50 or more. Contact us today to receive these important resources proclaiming the truth about Jesus. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.